You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. You know, God is saying something, and um, thank God he's saying something, right? Because that's why we're here. We're here this morning to say, God, what are you saying? God, where are you leading me? God, I'm leaning in. I'm lean, leaning into your heart. I'm leaning into your mind. And God, what, where, um, where do I fit into the story? Where do I fit into your story? And so that's what we're doing this morning. And so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us... I'm just going to take you into the thoughts that I've been having, the conversations I've been having with the Lord for the last six weeks since her voice. So this is going to be one of those, let's just say it's a coffee appointment. Okay. And I'm, you're just, you don't have like three points and a close, right? Cause you're just talking at coffee, but it's going to be an awkward coffee appointment because I'm going to do all the talking, <laughs> which is never a good coffee appointment, by the way. And I apologize to every person I've done that to. Okay. Um, I love words. I have a lot of words. And I just had to like come to grips with how God made me. But I really do love finding out what's inside of you. So I I do love coffee appointments where you do the talking. But today I'm I'm just going to share with you some of the conversations that God and I've been having. And I'm just going to kind of take you in sequential order. So when we came out of her voice, the theme, it wasn't like, let's get a theme for an event. It's like, no, what is God prophetically saying to us? And he's saying, yes. He's saying, will you say yes to me? There's your yes shirt right there, Cheryl. And I'm seeing almost every day somebody wearing that. And yes. So many years ago, I had a dream, probably about six years ago, a dream where I could see people for as far as the eye could see. It was open air. It was out. And I was like, where am I? And everybody had yes on their chest. And I I said, where am I? I couldn't figure out where I was. And the Holy Spirit came behind me and said, oh, this is a yesival. And I was like, wait, like a festival? He goes, yeah, like a festival, but it's a yesival. And it was this sea of people. It was a movement of people that were saying yes to God. So let's pick up from there. And then I'm going to tell you as much as I can until my time's up. And then we'll just be done with our appointment, okay? Um, because I have way too much to tell you. That's how it works with me always. But it's all good. God will get out as much as he wants. So, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you, God, for putting dreams in our hearts. God, we we just come before you, God, and we say yes to what you want to do in our life. We say yes what you want to do through our life. We say yes to what you want to do to radically change our world, the world. God, we just lay down. We lay down our um, apprehension to feel pain. We lay down our hesitation to feel things that are happening in your heart and in your mind. Father, we are just available. We're available, God, to collaborate with you on the earth. We're available, God, to just to jump into your dream, God, and do the God dream. Do the God dream, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Okay, so I'm going to uh, pick up with a story that happened, and it's just a really kind of a cool thing, but basically about six months ago, I had this weird compulsion for planting a garden, Okay. Now, I am the girl that buys the basil plant at the grocery store because you just walk by it and you're like, that's so neat. I think I'll get one, you know, like low risk, right? And then 10 days later, it's dead because I totally forgot I bought it. Like I am not the person, I mean, I grew up with plastic plants, right? But there's something in me that's like, I want a garden. I want to like just see, you know, and so I'm like, okay, maybe I wonder if anybody really knows how to do this and could show me how. And so I'm talking to Rocio, who's out here. I just saw eyes with you somewhere. Where are you? You're here. Where are you? Raise your hand. 
Okay. And Annalisa, there you are. You're hiding right there. Okay. Those two are super special. They're part of this story. So I'm talking to Rocio and I'm like, what's Annalisa up to her daughter? And she's like, well, her dream, you know, it's really to like get on land and help somebody like get, you know, agriculture going. And, um, she said more farming words than I'm saying. And, um, I was like, I just thought it was interesting because the day before I told the Lord, yeah, I think, I think we'll do a garden, but there was a problem. And that was, I don't know how. And then the very next day, she tells me this. So take note here, even when you start pondering what God might want to do that doesn't make sense, he's going to start resourcing you. He's going to give you reasons that you can say yes, right? And that's the kind of stuff that you're like, you know, the world might call a coincidence or karma or whatever. It's like, no, this is God coming and collaborating with you, right? So... Anyway, that happened. Annalisa came over and showed us, okay, right here, here's where you should put it. The sun hits here, perfect. She starts talking about, and I have Bob there because he's going to have to build stuff and do stuff now. Um, story of his life. And uh, so here's how the, you know, and I'm listening, and then I can tell that I'm kind of like disassociating because now there's lots of words I don't know, like trowel. I'm like, is that a shovel? Is that a big shovel? Is that a little shovel? What kind of tool is that? You know, and I'm backing away in my mind, okay? Because there's too many things I don't know what she's talking about. And there's too many questions I'd have to ask to understand. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, who am I kidding? I can't even keep a basil plant alive. And I'm thinking, I don't have time for this. It can be like, you know, I'm like, I'm thinking, well, can you move here? Can we make a little house for you right here? And then you can do it. Because I'm thinking there's no way. Because all I can see is a dead garden. Okay. That's all I'm seeing now. I went from this compulsion of like, what would it be like to like, it's all going to die. So that's where we left off. I didn't tell her that part. I came clean later. So she now knows. Um, but I was like, great. Yeah. Let's write it down. Give us a note. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'll be inspired one morning and just think I can do this, you know? So anyway, uh, we start working on her voice and all of the things in winter and all that. So then it was like, whew, go that garden. Okay. So then here we are about uh, right before her voice again. And the Holy Spirit's like, so anyway, about the garden, I was like, oh, man, we're still on that. Okay. Um, I talked to my friend Sandy, and she said she, she calls these uh, Noah compulsions. Like, I have a compulsion to build a giant boat. And it doesn't make any sense, right? So these compulsions, these pulls, right? These pulls, right? That don't make any sense because you don't have the experience for it or you lack the resources or you lack the funding. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it's easy to do things when all the parts and pieces are available. But what about when God pulls on you and there's a lot of gaps? There's gaps in time. There's gaps in money. There's gaps in resources. There's gaps in experience. In this garden case, there's a gap in everything except for those people. Now, if you guys weren't here, we wouldn't even be doing the garden because you guys are the key to the kingdom on this one. But basically what happened was God said, we're going to do this. So I told Annalisa, okay, come back out after her voice and let's try again. So she came out and I go, Bob, I go back out to the yard, Bob. We got to go through the thing again. And um, he's like, oh, you know, so we're out there. And, and then she's basically saying the same thing over again, right? Like, take two. And, but this time I'm asking questions. Because this time I'm, I said yes. The first time I said yeah. You know when you, when, you, when you date a person before you marry them or date them before you ditch them, whichever, however that turns out, you're in the yeah phase. Right? And if they ask you to marry them on your first date, you're like, I'm creeped out. 
Like, it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how good looking you are. Something's wrong with us. Like, you just can't say yes, right? So there's this dating phase. There's this courting phase with the dream. There's a courting phase. And what you have to know is you probably didn't say yes yet. Okay, you have to know that. But God is still going to, he's going to bring in reasons for you to, to you know, I, I tell people that are dating, this is, I don't even know if this is good advice or not, but I'm like, it's either going to get better or worse. Just, you know, go h- hang out with them and then be like, hmm, this is getting better. Or not getting worse, you know, and you know. Like, don't force it. Just either, you know, if there's a fork in the road, just take off if you need to. Um, haven't written any uh, dating books, so pretty short. Be pretty short. <laughs> My shortest book ever. <laughs> just a pamphlet or like a postcard. Um right? So with your dream, it kind of feels like that, right? You're like, okay, this is, and it felt like it was getting worse. The more she talked the first time, it felt like it was getting worse. The more informed I got, the worse it was getting, right? So do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like God's like, this is what I want you to do? And then you're like, okay, I was excited when I was ignorant. And now that I'm not as ignorant, I'm actually discouraged. So what do we do with this, right? So we have this, I think we all understand we come into this place, this problem point. And what are we going to do? Maybe this was my dumb idea. That's what I chalked it up for. This is my dumb idea. But then here comes the conclusion again. So she's back out. We're talking through stuff. This time I'm asking questions. Because you know why? I'm actually going to do, I'm, it's a yes now. So yes is different. Right? You're going to ask questions. You're going to find out things. I'm, you know, we're like sending links on Amazon. I'm like, okay, Bob, do you hear that? And I'm like, okay, compost. What can go in the compost? What can't go? Before it was compost, it was just a word that was kind of out there. Now it's like, okay, what exactly is that? Okay. And so I hope this encourages all of you. You're like, you don't know that much and you're doing a garden. I know, be encouraged. Um, so, so anyway, we decide the power of a decision. Do you know what it's called? Faith. Because what happens when you say yes to some crazy idea that God has, even when you have no business doing it, right? What happens is the faith begins to unlock heaven and heaven begins to back you up. And so we have this meeting and then Bob and I are leaving for a week. And so we're like, okay, when we get back, Bob's making beds and we're going we're gonna to walk this out. And I, I let go of the result, okay? Because I thought, what if God wants me out there and wants to talk to me? God uses agriculture to talk to people. What if, what if I have to figure out a way to keep the deer out? What if I have to figure out a way to put an electric fence in? What if, what if God is sending me on a journey of problem solving with him? What if he wants to talk to me? What if he wants to use this as a context to grow me? Do you know what I'm saying? I, I stopped making it about what's going to come out of the ground. And I thought, wow, you're, you're actually taking me on a journey. This is, this is more than just check a box to get some vegetables. Like, you're doing something bigger here. So that was helpful because then I could drop the outcome of failure and not think about failure. I could think about follow through. Okay? So follow through versus failure. It's like, where's your mind, right? So... So we go on this, so we leave this conversation with Annalisa. I feel much more encouraged because I'm actually said yes. When you don't say yes, you actually feel discouraged. But when you say yes, you start feeling hope. When you start getting informed, you actually start feeling empowered. But when you're just dating it, the more information you get, you don't feel empowered. You can feel discouraged. 
you can feel like you don't know what you're doing. So we leave town and we get this text from Rocio. And Annalisa's on the text thread too with Bob and I. And she has a picture of a plant coming out of our property that nobody planted. We've only talked about it. We've only talked about vegetables, but guess what came out of the ground all by itself? Do you guys have a picture of this? Okay. This is a tomato plant. And there are more popping up on our property. And of course, I don't know anything about how all this works. So I'm with Pastor Heather when, we get, when I get this message and I'm like, gosh, maybe somebody planted it a long time ago. Like that building it's next to was probably built in the 70s, 80s maybe. And I'm like, well, just a long time ago, they, you know, I'm just trying to logic this, you know. And Heather's like, no, Jenny, you have to plant tomato plants every year. They don't like come back after 50 years. <laughs> what do I know, right? And I'm like, and, and so they're on there going, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. And then there's another one that's by the chapel coming up in the chapel. We've been there for three years, um, short of a month or so of, of three years. And there's never been a, a fruit or a vegetable plant that just came up suddenly. And um, this is a sign and a wonder. When the Bible talks about a sign and a wonder, this is a sign and a wonder. And so, but I couldn't get, I, I was like, I, mm, God, you're saying something here. What are you saying in this? Because I'm, I'm impressed. Let's just start there. But what are you saying? What do you want Jenny to know about this? And this is what he said. He said, Jenny, the earth will always reflect your yes. And he said, when you say yes, not yeah, not sure, not maybe, not well, if all the conditions line up, but when you say yes, when there's all these gaps still and you trust me to walk this thing out, he said that all of heaven will come to back you up. And I wanted to encourage you that I'm already ahead of you. God doesn't follow us into our yes. He's already ahead of us. I mean, obviously. I don't think he planted this to say, Jenny, listen, I feel so bad for you. You don't know what you're doing, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he's saying is, this is proof that it's going to be me. And I just need you to put one foot in front of the other. See, we think that when God gives us a dream, that we have to actually accomplish it. And say to God, thanks for letting me accomplish the dream that you put in my heart. He's actually the one that's going to pull this off, right? And so we just, it's like the 5,000, feeding the 5,000. Okay, one guy with a lunch. Here's the 5,000. Right, oh, Rocio, do you have something to add? I do. It actually is growing out from under a cement stew. It's like it's, it's under a stew. It's not coming under a stew. Yeah. underneath a cement stoop. See, that's super prophetic because what if you feel like, yeah, but, okay, the enemy's like, oh, you have that dream, but yeah, but, I mean, but you can't because, you know, your finances are a cement stoop. You don't, you're not married, so you don't have help. So that's a place that it just won't happen. It won't grow.
God put coins in fish's mouths. He made donkeys prophesy. He can surely make a tomato plant come out of this. But I'm telling you, I'm putting this picture up here because with your very own eyes, you get to see what God does with your yes. He doesn't just say, yes, now go, thumbs up. I'll just like fan the flame of your excitement. He actually miraculously breathes on the yes. Isn't that amazing? And we said yes, and it was three days later that we get a picture of a plant coming up before these actually dropped up out of the, but they were, I mean, I would have not even known as a tomato plant before the tomatoes actually showed up. You know, you guys know me by now, right? So I would have thought it was a weed or something, but this is incredible, right? How incredible is this? So I think what God was telling me was, Jenny, I, I, I did this to encourage you. That when you say yes to something, it's going to be miraculous, like the 5,000. Because what happened? There was one lunch, feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So we can at least say 15,000. But do you guys remember what they did? They said, go put everybody in 50s. Set them down in sets of, remember? So there had to be a structure. There had to be a distribution. The fish didn't just show up in their, and loaves didn't show up in their hands. The men actually had to have a structure and a protocol to distribute the miracle. So there is a part that we play in the natural. We, 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 you know, we, we bring things into order. These did not pop up on the spot. It didn't pop up in Bob's beds that he's making, right? It popped up on a different part of the property. But the point is, is that God is asking us to get involved with the dream. Okay, so the earth is going to reflect your yes. The other thing the Lord told me a few days after me pondering this was hell will also reflect your yes because hell gets a wind that you've said yes to something, right? So how does hell show up? Stuff that you can absolutely ignore, to be honest. Discouragement. Somebody thinks you're stupid. Uh, just stuff like that. He actually can't destroy what God's breathing on. He actually has no authority to destroy what God is already creating. So in these times when you said yes, expect the enemy to show up to discourage you and to make you think that you're a complete idiot for even thinking you can even think about doing it. But in those times, why do we get so focused on the problem that's even just a mirage? It's fake. When God is actually opening doors, the minute you say yes, God has doors that are starting to open but we are so bent towards noticing problems and being emotionally attached to the negative that we all of a sudden see what the devil's doing. And it's like, hey, look back. Oh, gosh, God's doing that. We have to look for what God is doing once we've said yes and get involved in that and be to the devil like, whatever, you're just a whatever. You know, your mom thinks you're crazy because you're wasting your time doing X, Y, Z. Okay. She's entitled to her opinion. It's fine. But what is God doing over here? Do I really need to get caught up in that? Do I really need to get caught up and, and emotionally bound up and wound up in, in what hell wants to discourage me with? No, I'm just going to head over here to what God is doing. Okay, so one thing with that thought is this, okay, is when we dream with God, we want to jump to the how, immediately. If I look back and every dream that God said, Hey, Jenny, what do you think about doing this together? 
The second I don't ponder what he's telling me to dream about, but I go to the how, what's going to happen, that's when I jump out of my yes, because I haven't taken time to ponder and meditate and think about what it is that God is actually asking me to agree with. Let's take Abraham. God said, I'm going to give you a descendant, I'm going to give you a son, and I'm going to give you a nation. And Abraham is old. His wife is old. They're beyond childbearing years. So Abraham had to believe the what when the how could not be explained. See, a lot of us want to understand and then we'll say yes, but that's not faith. Faith is I don't understand how, but if I can get myself wrapped around the what, if I can get my spirit wrapped around what you're showing me, what are you showing me? If I can buy into the what, the how starts showing up one step at a time. One step at a time. Example, God told me in the privacy of my own bedroom two and a half years ago, he said, Jenny, you are gathering a million women. Well, I was just going to keep that to myself and call it crazy or call it God, call it I must have had a weird thought. I didn't know what to do with that. Do you know why? Because I couldn't figure out the how. I'm like, okay, been on Instagram for three years. I have 8,000 followers. Multiply that times, okay, I'll be at 250 years old by the time I get a million. (laughs) I mean, has God ever told you something that you're like, you back away from it because the how, you can't get the how. Do you know that that's actually an invitation to go to the what? Let the how sit over there until the what becomes a part of you, until you buy in. So I circled around the one million for a little bit, and then I got a prophetic word. Jenny, you're leading a million women. I was like, dang it, because I heard it by myself, which is one thing, but when other people start prophesying it and expose it, it's like, okay, now I can't get away from it, right? And this is more ridiculous than a garden. Like that garden feels easy. You know, a million women, million, that's a really, that's a lot of zeros. And then Pastor Callie has the audacity to get up at Crown and say, Jenny, it's 10 million. And I told her in private, I said, every time you get that microphone, that number goes up. So stop, stop. (laughs) Because I have to look at this dream and I have to like, (sighs) like, am I going to buy into this? Am I going to, am I going to buy into it? The only reason we don't is because we want the how before the what. And when I finally just relaxed and said, okay, God, okay, a million. And I don't have a clue how. That's how. He's going to breathe it. And he's just going to say, okay, get those guys in 50s, just set them down. He's going to tell me how to order it and how to structure it. But he's the one that has to make one fish become 15,000. I don't know how to do that. So that means we're going to have to be people that live in the miraculous. Live in the miraculous. And we are a church that lives in the miraculous. We will not be a church that just says, show me, prove to me, let me understand, and then I'll follow God. We're not that church. We're the church that says, God, what are you doing on the earth? We want to be part of your dream. It doesn't make sense to us, but we're all in. 
we're all in. God is going to give you personal dreams, and he's going to give you corporate dreams. And he's going to give you community dreams. There's these, there's these different levels of dreams, okay? So on our website, will you show that second picture, Sean? Uh, on our website, this is the first thing you see. Mobilizing one million women to prayer. Join a prayer hub, lead a prayer hub. Now, a lot of people think, cool, we just got a little plan, you know, right before her voice. No, it was two and a half years ago, sitting in my bedroom, wondering, did I really hear God? Or did I just make something up? And then I realized I would never make that up. I actually don't want to do that. I actually don't want to try to gather a million. Why, who would do that? Who in their right mind would, would want to do that? Like, seriously. Like, I just want to get my laundry done. Like, to get a million women, like, woohoo. The only person crazy enough to want to do that is God. Right? Because there's a flesh part of me that's like, who are these million women anyway? Like, like, I love my family, I love my friends, I love my church. I have no business caring about that many people, right? <laughs> Let's be honest, right? So now I know it's God. It's God because it's, it's not in my flesh. Like, it's God. It's God. So now my job is to say yes. And then once we said yes, he started laying out a plan. The plan wasn't multiply the fish, Jenny, make the fish become 15,000. That wasn't the plan. It was... The paddle plan, it was the prayer, adoption, discipleship, and legislation. He started laying out a plan, a blueprint. And I was like, okay, that's what we're going to do then. And we're just walking it out. And God is saying now, he's saying in this hour to this church, and I believe to the body of Christ, will you dream with me? Will you dream with me? I've been hearing it for the last two weeks. Will you dream with me? Will you do the big dream with me? Will you do the big dream with me? Will you do it? The ridiculous, the, oh, okay, mm -hmm, really? We went up to Larch Mountain, a group of us, which is this really cool high, high peak above Corbett. And you can see all five mountains. It's really incredible view. And when we looked down, we saw all the trees for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, trees, 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 trees. And, and the Lord said, every single one of those trees represents a soul that is far from me, that doesn't know me. And I want you to agree right now, we took communion up there. I want you to agree right now that every single one of those trees represents a person on the West Coast who will know my name and who will, who will call to me, who will call to the name Jesus as their, as their Lord and their Savior. You guys, people looking at trees, like, like think how ridiculous this is. Okay, every tree represents a person. But God is looking for people who will dare believe him like Abraham. Abraham's one of my heroes. You know why? Because he was like, God, a little discouraged here. Uh, my wealth is going to go to a servant. All of my wealth is going to go to a servant. Is that where we're at here? And he had followed God for quite a while on this dream. God gave him a dream. And he's like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's go. Okay. And then finally he was like, is this really going to happen? And God said, come here. Look up, in the, look up in, the scar, in the sky. Look at the stars. Count them. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham wanted one. Just one. And God said, that's how many I'm going to give you. He is looking for people who will go out of their mind. You got to be a little out of your mind to believe God. Do you know that? You have to be a little out of your mind. You got to be a little unhuman. You got to be more spiritual than human. You got to be a spirit being on a human journey. You got to be peculiar. You got to be like, man, you're from a different place. 
So that's what I'm, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on is can we dream with God? Can we dream with God? And, you know, there's a whole can of worms we could open on this because there is selfish ambition dreaming and then there's God dreaming. This is what God has brought up to me recently in the last uh, couple weeks. And that is the spirit of apathy. The I don't care. I want to care, but I just don't. I'm just kind of numb. And the spirit of apathy, I didn't notice it as bad until we moved to Corbett. And Bob says, well, it makes sense. You move to the mountains to get away from caring. You move to the mountains to get away from people and pain because if I see other people in pain or distress, I might actually feel pain and I might actually care and I don't want to feel pain. I actually don't want to feel. So I'm going to go to the mountains. I'm going to live my little life in my little bubble in the trees so I don't have to feel anything and then I don't have to care about anybody or anything. I can just maintain my own life. And I know it's over this region, but you get out in these little pockets where people go to basically not care anymore. So the kids came out for youth Monday night. You know, they, they come out every Monday night. And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, why do you guys look like zombies? What is going on? And I said, oh, it's a spirit of apathy. So we started teaching them about principalities. So principalities hover over regions um, unrighteously. So how is that happening, right? You can't cast out a principality. How a prin principalities are over regions and they, they uh, dominate and they minister some kind of funky, um, non-kingdom, demonic thing and rule the culture, okay? So when we talk about the spirit of apathy, we're talking about a principality that is over the region and it just tells everybody, you don't care. You don't care. What you do doesn't matter. You can pray, but it doesn't make a difference. I mean, go to church, that's fine, but it's not like it changes your life. It's this like, just shave off, shave off passion, shave off zeal, shave it off. Just get it down, just whittle it down to, to nothing. So how a principality stays enthroned is this way, and I love this. The culture has to agree with it. That's what keeps it enthroned. So you know what dethrones a principality? Changing culture. That's what gets me fired up. When we not just disagree with apathy, but we agree with the truth. And we're like, actually, I don't know. I actually care a lot. So we told the kids last Monday, we said, listen, let me tell you the truth. You guys come in here and you're probably hearing things like, oh, you don't care about what they're saying right now. You probably don't care about the Bible. Oh, you don't care about worship. Yeah, you don't care to pray. That's fine. And I said, but let me just tell you something. If you didn't care and if that was the truth, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't drive all the way across town to come up to a mountain because you don't care about God. <laughs> That's why you're here. And they was like, oh. So we're discovering a lie. It's actually not true. You actually do care. So don't be surprised if we show up one day and every, we put a band on every one of your wrists that says, I care. I'm serious. I can see it. I can see it. Because, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I care about my health. I'm going to get, I'm going to work out today. I'm going to eat well. By four o'clock, you're like, I don't care. And Taco Bell. I don't care. That's a spirit of apathy. And so I'm thinking we need a truth reminder on our wrist that says, no, I actually do care. I actually do care about my health. I actually do care about my spiritual growth. I actually do care about the Bible. I care what I'm reading right now. I actually do care that I pray. See, we're going to have to declare the truth to bust through that spirit of apathy, but I bring this up for this reason. I thought I was having two conversations with God. I thought I was having a conversation about dreaming, 
And then I thought I was over here having another conversation about apathy. And then he showed me, no, no, they're connected. He said, the person who does not dream is a target for apathy because dreaming awakens you to me. And it connects you and I in prayer, says the Lord, because prayer connects us to our dreams. Okay, listen to this. This is Jesus, John 16, 24. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. He's talking about, hey, I'm going to leave. And until now, you haven't said through Christ, through what Christ did on the cross, through his resurrection, Father God, would you feed the 5,000? Father God, would you bring the million? Father God, would you bring this business idea that you gave me? Would you flourish it, God? God, would you give this church a million dollars to give to Mountain Gateway to build more than one home, God, to to build three homes? See, what he says is until now you haven't come in my name, but here's what he said. This is so cool. Ask and you will receive. Now listen to this because that's not over. And your joy will be complete. Could it be that the church is not joyful because we're not dreaming? We're not asking. We're not saying, okay, fine, a million people, God. But you think about this. Bob and I talked about this. In our marriage, 23 years, we have times where we, were, we got together and we started dreaming. We started believing God for crazy stuff that we wouldn't even tell you guys because it's too big. It's too big to share with just anybody. I'm telling you, you should have dreams that you would never stand on this stage and tell anybody. Okay? Because they're just too, they're too sacred. And they're big. And they're audacious. And when Bob and I talked about it, it's like we have moments in our life, seasons, where we would get together and just dream. We'd be dream partners. We would dream, God, what's your dream? We want to be part of your dream. God, is that you? Okay, then we're, then call us in. And anytime we started dreaming together about something that wasn't, but God wanted us to have the faith that it will be and to step into the, how is this even going to happen? Anytime we did that together, we are on joy overload. I mean, we talked about it. It's like, man, is there anything more exciting than leaning into God for something that you can only see in your mind's eye? Barely. You can barely see it. You're not sure how, but you just start taking the steps and God just starts backing you up and he starts backing you up and he starts backing you up and doors start opening and this starts happening and this miracle. Is there anything that brings you more joy, right? And then we've lived in times in our marriage where it was like, okay, let's just maintain. Okay, let's just try to survive. Okay, nobody died today. Are all the kids alive? Thank God. Okay, good. Everyone's alive. We kind of like each other. Okay, let's just kind of, let's go on a date night. Maybe that'll help us. You know, like this maintain, this low level living where we're not dreaming. And when we don't dream, we do not have joy complete. The Bible says it. It's not from Jenny. It's from the Bible. Our joy will be complete when we ask and receive. It doesn't say just ask and wait and hope it comes through. It says ask and receive. Now there's a lot to say about what we ask for. That's like a 10 week series, okay? There's a lot to that, that's a slippery slope. What makes something a blessing from God or a selfish ambition? I think that's why we get scared to dream, right? Because it's like, I think we get scared because of a lot of reasons. You know, there's just failure. There's, I don't want to be an idiot. You know, I don't want to lose my dignity. I mean, there's all that. But I also think, oh, sorry, John 16, 24. Yes, that was where I read that. Thank you so much. 
John 16, 24 is where I read that. So I've been thinking about this, right? Because none of us just want to be like what, like what Laura preached last weekend. You're not just going to say, I want that God. Okay, do that in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> That's not what we're doing here. What we're doing is we're stepping into God's mind and heart and looking around and going, what part of this do you want me to play? What part of this do you want me to play? Instead of like, hey, God, I have some cool stuff. If you could just jump right in my dreams, right? Now, sometimes you're not sure which, what's, what's happening here, right? Well, I think it comes down to appetite. I think it comes down to appetite. Appetite. What do we have an appetite for? Psalms 37.4 says, take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. When our appetite is in God, right? Like our appetite is in his presence, in his word, in his love, in his challenges, in his prophetic voice. Like like your appetite, like, man, I have an appetite for God. I have an appetite for God. All of a sudden, he's going to start giving you dreams. He is. And they're going to be, they're going to be beyond what you know how to pull off. But this appetite, right? Because we're, we're, we're delighting in. I'm using that word delight as like an appetite. We delight. It's an appetite. When we have an appetite for the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. You can't have an appetite for God, get it all up in him, and then be like, I have no dreams. Nothing. I don't see any problem to solve on the earth that I would have to be a part of it. You can't. When you're, when you're feasting on God and feasting on his presence and worship and word, it's like... It's almost like you're, you don't have to do with all those dreams. You're like, too many, lots, lots of dreams. Very, very overloaded on dreams. Lord, help. Okay, that's more it, right? So I thought about this. Um, let's take Joseph. Joseph was like, this is awesome. I had a dream. My brothers are going to bow down to me. Now, to any teenage boy, for your older brothers to bow down to you, this is like, yes, this is my dream, right? So can we say a dream is not God's if it feels selfish? See, what Joseph's interpretation of that dream might have been selfish in the moment, but it doesn't mean it wasn't God. It was God. It just took Joseph on a whole different trajectory where all of a sudden he came on the other side and he had compassion and saved a nation from a famine. And by the time his brothers bowed down to him, he had tears in his eyes and he was humble. So sometimes God will give you a dream and he'll be like, it's okay if you think it's about that, it's fine. It's okay if you get some satisfaction out of just dreaming that. But by the time you get there, we're gonna actually save people's lives. I'm gonna give you an example of that. I asked Bob, I said, if I tell this story, will people think I'm super shallow? He said, probably, so I might as well tell it. So, um, <laughs> so because I want to give you examples in, in our life of us doing this. I don't want it to be a talking head. I want to use stories of my con that, are, that are my conviction of living this out. So when Bob and I were, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, and God had given us a dream for a business um, many years ago, and um, we had t this is the important part. There was a church service when we first started our business and we had no success at all in it. It was just the, in the idea phase. And in the church service, you've heard Bob maybe say this before, but he said to God, God, like, because we were like Joseph in phase one, he was like, God, if you make this work, I'll pay you back. Like, if you give us financial success, I'll pay you back somehow. Like, 
if that's even possible, but we didn't know about that back then. We were 24 years old. And that was like building an altar. And that's what Abraham did in response to every time that God said, I want to give you a nation. Watch what, how Abraham responded. He built an altar, which was, okay, it's all yours. I'm all yours. This is, you know, and he just wants a son. God wants a nation, right? So we built an altar at that church service. We didn't realize that's what we were doing, but we did. When God gives you a dream, you need to build an altar in your heart. You need to say, this is yours. This is yours. I submit this to you. So then Bob and I start driving through these neighborhoods of really, really beautiful homes, homes that we cannot afford. And we just get this weird idea that we're going to jump out of the car and we're going to go into the houses that are still in construction. And um, I don't think you're supposed to go in there, but anyway. Um, so we walked in and, you know, they're still being you know, all the things. And we walk in there and we just took hands and said, God, if you would ever be willing to give us a house like this, this would be incredible. This would be incredible through this business. Our business is yours, but this is a dream in our heart. And that was it. Him and I have not talked about that for 20 years, maybe. And the other day I'm driving home and I'm telling Sam these stories because our kids were, you know, they're so little that you forget to tell them stuff. And I said, Sam, we would go in these places and we would just hold hands and we would just say, oh God, if, it, if, if it's your will, God, we submit this to you, but this would be so cool to have a house like this someday. And I wanted my son to know this because I didn't want him just to look at success and go, oh yeah, that business did that. No, 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 no. We built mm -hmm. altars. We went in and we built altars before the Lord and dedicated our business you dedicate your children. You, de you need to de dedicate everything to the Lord. FYI, right? So we dedicated these things to God and he built them. I'm telling my son this at 18 because he's starting to look at business. He's starting to look at what he wants to do with his life. And I'm, tr I'm starting to, I'm wanting him to know, like, God has to breathe on it. That's how things succeed. Okay, but you submit it and then you walk it out. And so I'm telling him this. The next morning, Bob and I are in the, in the morning. We try to sit with each other and, you know, say like two words and just stare out the window for a second um, while we wake up. And he said something like, Jenny, I was just thinking about how we went to that neighborhood and we stood there and prayed. And I was like, that's so weird. I just told Sam that story yesterday. And God's been talking to me about dreaming. So I said, I really want to share this story, but will people think of we're, we're shallow? And he said, probably. Yeah. So some of you might think that and some of you think, no, I get it. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But here's the thing. God did end up giving us a home, um, but greater homes than that. And you know what happens? A lot of people, a lot of people had to get saved through a business. There was a lot of two o'clock in the morning, 911. We have a business person come over because their marriage is crumbling and we're going to pray with them. We had lots and lots and lots of gatherings and worship nights in our home that were like off the record in our business. And these homes were no longer just our brothers bowing down to us. These home, this home represented building people in the kingdom, right? And so it meant more, it, it, it's like God's dream for us. We see it in its like most uh, shallow purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying there? We see it in its like most shallow purpose and that's okay. I think people feel bad about that. I think it's like, gosh, I'm trying to make this more spiritual, right? But what happens, 
when that when you just walk it out and it comes on the other side, it's like, oh, oh, you had thousands and thousands and thousands of people that you had us minister to. And this is a home and it's neat. But I heard Bill Johnson say this the other day. I was listening to some of his stuff and he said, the moment the blessing doesn't bring you closer to God and you're like, oh my gosh, God, look what you've like, like when Joseph is like, what you look what you did, God, you saved a nation. The second we're looking at something and we're saying, wow, sure glad I built this business and it's working. Sure glad I was really, you know, doing awesome things here. The second it disconnects you from God, the blessing and the satisfaction actually leaves as well. And it's true. It's just stuff at that point. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've achieved something and the second it doesn't like connect to God's perfect blessing, it, uh, it doesn't mean too much. It means a little, but not as much as we're, us being satisfied. One last thing, and then we're going to be done. I should have been done like eight minutes ago, so praise the Lord. Um, gosh, there's two stories I want to tell you. Which one should I tell you? Um, I'm going to tell you this just because it's mind-blowing. Okay, it's just an example of saying yes. So, uh, we had pastors. We we uh, had incredible pastors. Bob and I got married, moved uh, to Portland, got in a church that was just really good. I mean, we learned the word. We learned what God thought about money. We learned what God thought about prayer and deliverance and all this. And it was really amazing. And again, we were in the very infancy stages of our business. And I have this dream. And our pastors show up in the dream and say, you can have this house. And I look and I'm standing in a house that's in Italy and it's pretty small, but it's beautiful and it's over the water. There's water. And I ask them in the dream, cause I'm going to the how immediately. I'm like, how much is it? And they said, it's um, X amount per square foot, which was like five times more than what the real estate market was at the time. And I was like, okay. And then the dream was over. Okay. That was it. And um, many, 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 many years later, when we were living in Washington, God was like, I want you to move to Oregon. I want you to start, we're going to do some stuff in Oregon, which didn't make any sense because I said I'd never live in Oregon. Okay. So I'm on um, Zillow and I'm just surfing around and I, I come across, see, and, and I go higher. I'm like, let's, and if you can afford a $500,000 house, let's look for a $3 million house, shall we? That's me. I'm just do, 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 because it's like out of the realm of possibility. It's just, I've learned to be okay with that. So here I am just like, wow, these houses are so cool, right? Um, but then I see one and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And I start looking at the pictures and I'm like, that was, that's, that's the house that was in my dream years and years and years and years ago in Italy. And I'm like, wait a minute. Because I remember it had a curved wall. It was very distinct. It was, and it, and hold on a minute. This is on the water in Portland. And I was like, okay, wait, this, this is kind of creeping me out. So then I read down below the description of the house. And you're going to, this is the stuff you just go, what? It says that a trailblazer built this house from a replica of a house in Italy. And now I'm pooping my pants and I am texting Bob and I'm like, you've got to see this, you know? And I, and, and you guys, the price tag isn't what the bank is going to be like, sure, just here's the money, there you go. Like it doesn't match. 
So I don't have a how to work with, but I was in that house and my pastors who represented really the, the authority of God and the permission, because God knows I don't want to live a selfish life or a shallow life, but he was giving me permission to stream. You can have this house. And um, so I was like, so I told Bob and he's like, that's crazy. So guess the only thing I could do, heart. And then I said to move on with my life. Okay. And that was it. Two weeks later, Bob's out of town. He calls me. He goes, hey, did you look at the email that we just got from that uh, real estate place? I'm like, no, I, I mean, I hate email. I never check email. So I'm like, no, I didn't see it. And he goes, okay, because that house just went up for rent. And the rent, I don't know how, was not the same amount as the mortgage. It was in our price range. I literally loaded up the kids, got in the car, drove, called the people, we're there. We, we get to the driveway and I'm like, well, we're going to take it. And he's like, don't you want to look around? I'm like, okay, sure. You know? Anyway, we ended up living there for one year. And I just, I say this because it's like, are we dream, are we dreaming enough? Like I'm, maybe I'm just preaching to my own self. Like Jenny, come on, get on the dream train. Let's get moving here. Let's, let's get in God's heart. Let's get in God's mind. Let's not re let religion like, like the pharisaical, like, I just want to be religious. That's my dream is to be religious and look great to everybody else. No, I actually want to be in God's dream. I want to be on the dream train. I want to be in God's dream. God's dream. Chris Valentin was saying, um, I was listening to a, th a thing that he was talking about too. And he said, here's Elon Musk, who I don't know if he knows the Lord. I don't think so. But here's Elon Musk dreaming about how to populate Mars, dreaming how to get roads under the ground in LA because the traffic problem is so bad. And Chris Valaton says, when I'm in traffic, I'm just thinking about what I'm going to put on the radio. I'm not thinking about, God, what do you dream about? You know, it's like, and, and here he is, and, and, and here's a guy who's not even dreaming with the Lord. What would happen if we started dreaming with God? What would happen? What does God want to accomplish on the earth? And he, but he needs humans and human beings to collaborate with him. There are lots of problems to solve. And so when we say kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that means we're solving problems. That means we see a problem and there is no solution yet. It exists in heaven, but God says, can you want to be a part of that? Do you want to pull down this solution? And be a part of that. And I believe that our joy will be complete if we step into that in Jesus' name. So, Father God, we thank you for today. We bless you, Jesus. We honor you. God, our knees might be knocking, but we do not want to live mediocre. We don't want to live depressed because we choose not to dream. I think that non-dreaming is like a road to depression and apathy and oppression. So, God, we shake off the grave clothes of survival. We shake off the, I just want to be able to pay my bills. I just want to me, me, me. No, God, it's you, you, you. What do you want to do on the earth? What crazy, audacious, ridiculous, wild dream do you have for us, God? And so we dare to believe that you would breathe on it as we take one step at a time. So Father, thank you, Jesus, for every person in this church to take the time to dream about the what, not the how just yet, the how will come. But God, give everybody here the grace and the intentionality to stop and say, God, what is my purpose on this earth? What are you wanting me to fulfill that is crazy and big and scary, but it's going to require your miraculous breath on it? 
in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.